Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. is up wizards fans welcome to another believe in wizards podcast i'm matt Moderno. he's jihadi white jihadi it's a relatively big day here in dc i think for basketball fans bradley beal makes his return the first one back in dc so we'll get into all that uh but first just how's it going how's your weekend so far oh man the weekend's good the weekend's good a lot of basketball that's good basketball games this weekend for for high school so you know preparing for that one was uh, Friday night, one was Saturday, you know, early Saturday afternoon. So, you know, it's too back turnaround. Yeah. yeah. Quick turnaround. Uh, those kids at that age though, they probably don't even feel it. Right. There's no icing at that point in their lives or anything. Is there? Oh, they feel it. Cause I mean, okay. you, you fit. I mean, I'm obviously it's not like college or really like NBA where it's just a lot of, a lot of games, but yeah. this year it seems like more college teams are having a lot of back-to-back games. Yeah. And so I've seen, I mean, a lot of high school teams having a lot of back-to-back games. And so that's kind of, that's not normal for, for high yeah, school. Sure. But, um, you know, it's just somehow this year, and I was talking to a lot of other high school coaches, and it was like, yeah, man, it's a lot of back-to-backs this mm-hmm. year. So the, the it's, it's a kind of new way of scheduling where now they're forcing a lot of back-to-backs with high school kids, which prepares you, but I don't know how healthy or good it is. Yeah, I guess when you got a growing body and stuff too, like that's probably not a good thing. Like kids that tall too always have like the little knee bands on and stuff because they're growing so quick. Like yeah. that, that's that's actually probably not. Yeah. not so I, make, I make all the kids get in a cold whirlpool. Yeah, that's smart. Go Honestly. get in a cold whirlpool, sit in there for about 25 minutes. It, it's and a good time. Train, hey, look, let it get up as cold as it can, can you know, without – messing up the regulation you know don't lose your job but let it get up (laughs) (laughs) but that's smart yeah let them let them learn that now i mean they're gonna have to do that in college so it's it's basically like getting a head start on on taking care of yourself and that's a good thing uh very cool well um more basketball to talk about here so appreciate you uh having a basketball marathon for us before we get going brought to you by stateside vodka and the surfside hard iced teas hard lemonades hard everything and Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and match reports for baseball, boxing, UFC, golf, tennis, obviously the NBA, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place all your wagers, including live betting, your favorite casino and card games, available right from your phone. And uh, you, you go to the website, uh, use our promo code BELIEF, B L E A V, for 50% off. Welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right. So Wizards are 9 and 39. They're trending up, though. They've won two of their last five since Wes was uh, removed and Brian Keefe was installed. They've looked largely more competitive. I unfortunately went to that Clippers game and was sitting up close, and, and that one got away from them a little bit. But God, I think that's more the Clippers are really, really good, too, uh, especially with most of their guys healthy. Uh, but but what have you seen from the Wizards um, with with Coach Keefe? Any improvement from from your perspective? Actually, I have seen some improvement with the Wizards offensively and defensively. I think we're moving more sound offensively, a lot more, lot more movement, 
on offense with with all the players. I see a, a new wrinkle in that top screen where they're doing a lot of screening up top, and then they're they're that's right off of that top screen. There's, there's always another player diving, and another player popping, mm-hmm. which it looks like some good, really some good action there. Um, and so what I and what I really see on offense is a lot of challenging. Right now we're challenging each other. Mm-hmm. Right up, it could be vocal or it can be um, competitive wise. Right, so all of a sudden we're getting a lot of offensive rebounds. All of a sudden, right, yeah, and that's because sure. Bagley is there now. Bagley is there now. It's challenging your position as a starter, which mm-hmm. you didn't have to worry about that before. Now somebody's saying, "Okay, you're breathing up your neck. If, if this guy gets more than me." then now it could question my job. So now mm-hmm. I better go out there and raise my level of offense and deep offense and offensive rebounds and, and cuts and screens, right? So which which somehow not only we we get more out of Gafford, somehow we get more out of Kuzman because of that situation too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Defensive-wise, first thing I notice defensive-wise is we're getting back really fast. Mm-hmm. Right. Remember, we were yeah, a lot of gag back on on defense, and that we're we're getting back so so we won't let the the, the we kind of take away those fast break points or quick quick points. So now now the uh, the the opposing team has to play in a half court set. Yeah. Right. So I think that's first. Um, I do see. Pool chasing a lot more now, being attached to his man, yeah. chasing him a lot, not not really falling over those screens and just playing those <laughs> screens up like, completely, yeah, yeah, like like just like using those screens as an excuse. He's fighting over those screens now, so I I noticed that as well. So I'm seeing some of the things that that uh, Keep is putting in already, mm-hmm. um, and and seeing now where they grow. Right, it makes it makes us more of a, a competitive team. We're still not pulling off all the games like we we need to, which that's not you know you're gonna have to add more than that sure. to bring another edge and so we can get over that hump. But I see us competing on yeah. both ends now. Do you think that's just like an artificial bump right after the coaching change, or do you think this is something that they can maintain for the rest of the season here? So that, that's the question I was asking myself. Um, I would say it was a, it would be an artificial bump if it's not specifics. Okay. The, the reason I say it's not an artificial bump because it's, it's, it's specific things that are being added that now that that's the boost. Other than the only the only bump that. I think we're getting more that's not coach related is the offensive rebound. Yeah. And that's a, a baggly thing, I think to some part and it's made, yeah. like you said, Gafford's had to be more aggressive on, on some of those things too. When your biggest competitor becomes a teammate, yeah, that changes the it, the whole trajectory of things. That's true. Right now, the dynamic, your, the dynamic of your comfortability has just changed completely. Right, so now Gafford has to put up numbers. He has to get offensive rebounds, or his job, or his job can be replaced with another guy who's coming in making noise. 
It's true. Right? There are certain days Gafford wouldn't give you, an, you know, you may leave with eight and three. Yep. Yeah, it's, you're not kidding. He, he cannot. He can't risk having those nights anymore. So now he's like, I can't even have those nights. Right? Now that creates a lot more because now he's going to be setting more screens. He's going to be rolling harder. He's going to be in a dunker spot, being a be, getting his bodies in position, you know, to be able to get a more offensive rebounds, which, which, you know, turns to more putbacks, which turns to more um, second second chance opportunities at the basket for everybody, mm-hmm. right? So now we're getting second shots when we didn't we, we didn't when we didn't used to. Yep. Yeah, I wondered if that was also. Um schematic on their part as well a lot of nba teams like just don't offensive rebound they're just like we'd rather get back in transition because the chance of us getting an offensive board is pretty low but i'm bagley is definitely crashing the glass more uh, on the offensive end so i I don't know if that's them saying we want you to do that more or that's a stylistic choice from keith or it's just something he just does naturally and and it's an effort thing i I don't know what do you think it's a little both maybe i I think it's bagley coming here have to prove his worth Okay. Right. His value. I got to show this team. So it's all about Bagley being able to stay consistent. Mm -hmm. Right. You know how I said, you know, I always say when a new player comes to a new team, you get this, this super, this super player for, for at least half a month. Exactly. Yeah. Or a month. And then slowly dies down. So if Bagley doesn't slowly die down Mm -hmm. and either stay consistent or grow, in his role or what, and, and, and his stats that he bringing offensively, uh, offensive rebounding and, and scoring, rebounding in general as well, mm. then that keeps the fire on everyone else. Yep. Right? That happens. Now everybody has to play a higher role because now, like, days that you don't have it, you got to bring it. Yep. Yeah, this may sound kind of dramatic, but for Bagley, like, this might be it. I mean, if you wash out of three teams in your first contract, that's kind of it. Like guys will have that you're typecast into that guy. You're no longer a former number two pick. You're you're the fourth the fourth team journeyman. So for him, yeah. like he needs this to work out, I think. And and we're seeing the effort kind of reflected in that uh since the trade, the Wizards have gone from twenty eighth in offensive rebounds and second chance points to top fifteen in both categories. So um, that just says a lot right there. Like they've, they've either emphasized it more or Bagley is having sort of that kind of impact. And I, I think you nailed it. I think Gafford has been more aggressive, uh, going after rebounds specifically since Bagley's joined the team. So, um, I hope that keeps up. I hope this is a thing we're, we're here to see because honestly, they're not winning a ton more, obviously like the two, two teams they beat, they probably should beat. Uh, but the games have been more watchable for the most part, like the heat game, it was kind of a brick fest, but they were in it for, you know, the vast majority of that game. And obviously, like it sort of broke away from them at the end, but I kind of expect that. It, but at least it was like in a very entertaining first half and and some change. It was. It was a good that heat game was a good game. First half, especially first half. I was Either team could hit about, shit, but at least it was competitive. Yeah, yeah. I was concerned about how many how the the, the middle was wide open, though. I didn't get that. So like you know, you saw that the game. There's so many dunks that would go, that the Heat had open wide dunks yeah. from Bam. Yeah. And I'm like, well, why is that? You know, so I'm thinking they're trying to work out something where Gafford is doing a lot of helping. Yeah. But what it's doing is keeping keeping the middle and the paint completely open. So they got to figure that one out. 
they're helping less on the perimeter. It seems like guys are 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 kind of not cheating over as much. And I, I think I've seen them switch a little less on things. They're trying to make them fight through screens more on the perimeter, but that also kind of leaves Gafford a little bit more exposed sometimes too, when guys come running at him with a full head of steam and right. um, that that can get ugly quickly, I think. And, and for a guy like him, that's been kind of foul prone. I think we've seen him rack up a couple already that you're like, uh, oh, we might be in trouble here. And if either of them like um, Marvin Bagley is out for today's game, if Gafford gets in foul trouble, we're going to be seeing a lot of Patrick Baldwin Jr., I guess. And uh, I, I don't know if he's up for that against um a veteran Suns team, let's say. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. We'll see. Uh, we'll definitely uh, see. Got a couple mini quotes here for you, but we, we talked about um, defensive intensity and things like that. So um, Ava Wallace of the Washington Post asked Brian Keefe, um, or asked the players about Brian Keefe, and, and Kyle Kuzma said that Keefe's attention to detail is insane. With him, all the little things matter, and said that they've had a practice solely focused on mental discipline. I don't know what that means. I would have liked a follow-up question to that. Would have been an interesting one. But um, Kulabali also said that the um, mental-centric practice that they had uh, focused on, well, defensively, we had to change some things, and we had to be really focused on that so there's no mistakes on the court. That helped us, and we won two in a row. And uh, Bijan Todd from Monumental Sports reported that one. So I don't know. I mean, at least the players feel like maybe what they're doing under Keith so far is helping. And and even if it's just placebo effect for a while, I think that goes a long way too. It does, but I'd like to see what a practice fully, fully <laughs> yeah. focused on mental discipline. What that means. What is yeah. that? Like, yeah. That sounds interesting. I, I, I mean, would it, be, yeah. it sounds like a good, if it's, if it's effective and you, and you have something, some new, state-of-the-art type of schemes yeah, right. to, to make them literally focus on mental discipline. You yeah. know how many kids need, how many Every, players in general need that practice. Yeah. Whatever that is. So I would love to see that. Um, All right. I'll see now, if I can get does, to the bottom of it for you. Yeah. Does it translate? I don't know. Yeah. You know, I, I, I do see them trying to do more things defensively defensively mm-hmm. individually though yeah not so much on a screen type of thing but individually Jordan Poole fighting over screens you know right. attached to the guy you know showing a little bit harder or, or you know things like that I as a system wise I don't see us being I don't see a, a exponentially exponentially better sure. defensive team yeah you know, not yet, at least. I see people taking their roles defensively, you know, being more accountable for their roles defensively. Hey, that's enough. That's a start, at least, right? I mean, it's better than we were seeing. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's um let's back it up to this Bradley Beal thing here for a minute. Obviously, he was here for eleven seasons. He played six hundred and thirty-five regular season games, and in that time Became the franchise's all-time leader in three-pointers with 1,514. Second in points, 1,500, or sorry, 15,391. Field goals, 5,624. Steals, 772. And he's top five in like five other categories. So uh, this dude kind of, 
I mean, he racked up stats, right? Like the Wizards didn't really win a ton, but I, I don't think you can put that solely on Beal. Like, so as a fan, my perception of Beal is a very good player that the organization treated like a star player or franchise player that maybe he wasn't. And he became a little bit of a victim of his own contract at a certain point. Like fans said, this is not a max contract guy in terms of production. And the team built around him like he was. And I just, just he's not a guy that could carry a team by himself. He needed more help. They didn't get it. They did stupid stuff to kind of mortgage the future around him so they couldn't build talent cheaply um, to fill out the rest of these lineups. And and he paid the price for it a lot of times. Uh, and I think by the end, it just kind of seemed like he was ready to go and, and the timing seemed right. So I, I'm happy for Beal. I wish him well, but I am glad that he is not a wizard currently. I don't know, Jai, what what's your take on this? Well, I think the fans are upset at the wrong people. I, yeah, I agree. Right? I mean, what, what did Bill It's always do? the org's fault. Yeah, exactly. He, he maxed his contract out. He did a great contract. He put everything he had on the line with, for the team. Yeah. Right? He he played hard every night. You know, he, he put up numbers. Um, He, he's, he was an absolute professional. Mm-hmm. Right? A professional, good guy, good teammate. Yeah. What did he ruin? What did he do wrong? What did he, he not give? What did he, what did he not give the fans? Right. It's, right. So, yeah. to me, I think his comeback should be welcome. Right. Mm-hmm. The fans should appreciate him because he played a lot through a lot of injuries. He was hurt a lot. He, yeah. he get, you know, you got to, you got to, fans got to realize the sacrifice of this game a lot too. Right, and the and some guys were like, man, I you know, and I'm hurt. I I got paid. I can just sit out. Right, and some guys were like, no, I I have an obligation to the team. Got an obligation to the fans. Right, mm-hmm. I'm I'm a professional. I have an obligation to do what I'm getting paid to do. Yeah, and he, I think he did that to the fullest. I think he's the he's the poster guy for that, and. They should welcome with open arms and a standing ovation. Me personally, that's what I feel. I think that'll be mostly the case. I think it'll be a overwhelmingly positive reaction, but I think there will be some boos. And I think people will largely be directing that at how things played out during his time here. And again, that's that's not solely a reflection of him. Like that's that's your you're right. You're mad at the wrong people. That's, that's Leonsis's like, fault. I mean, honestly, like, yeah, like how's that Bill's fault for making sure he get the best contract possible? Yeah. Right. Yeah. How's he making sure that he get great clauses in his contract? That's a great agent. Yeah, exactly. The right. agent. Any any player, if they can get Bill's contract and work in it with those clauses that he had in there, they'll do it in a heartbeat. That's not the player's fault. Yep. I I got traded to another group in my office and I was salty about it. So if I'd had a no trade clause, I would have happily taken it. So uh, I I, I totally get it. Uh, Brad, when asked sort of about what it would be like to be back, said being back in the building, seeing familiar faces, I have no idea what to expect to feel, but I'm kind of going in with just an open mind, open heart, embracing all the feels, embracing the love, whatever I get, being thankful for uh, the moments that we had here and just to take it all in. thought that was a nice quote. Uh, it's tough because I don't like patting myself on the back or kind of gaslighting myself. I just want to take my time and embrace what you, what I did in D.C. and just be in the moment. That's what my biggest goal is for this game. thought that was a pretty good quote. 
I think it's the most honest quote you can give too. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, when you spent that much time in, in, in a city and it's your first city, mm-hmm. I think Brad has a, a honest, pure love for DC. I agree. You know, and, and, and the people, the fans of the wizards and mm-hmm. the fans who give, gave it back to him. I think mm-hmm. it's pure and I think it's real. And so, you know, when you leave a city that's been there so long, even when I left Washington, mm-hmm. you know, so after playing there so long, it was tough. Yeah. And when you, and, and when you came back, it was almost, you, it, it felt like you were home. Mm-hmm. But weird. Right? And been weird. It yeah. felt really weird. It felt like you were home and weird. Like you almost, <laughs> you almost wanted to play for the, you felt like you were playing for the fans. Yeah. The wizard fans for them to make them happy, even though you're on a different team. Mm-hmm. So it, it's going to be, it's, di- it's going to be different, you know, but, uh, um, I just say, man, play hard, man, lay it out on the floor, give the fans what they want, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, give the put fans, on the show. yeah, put on the show, you know, and make them remember who you, you know, what you did for the city. Mm-hmm. That you know, you know, he loved the city. Honestly, I appreciated him coming out and saying this move to Virginia is stupid. Ted, please don't do it. Like, I mean, that carries some weight. But the only reason he would care about that or even speak on that because he feels so attacked. Yeah. yeah. That lets that lets you know how attached he still feel he still feels with the Wizards. Right. And how could he not? I agree. Yeah. In Brad's heart, I know he plays for Phoenix, and he's going to play his heart out. For Phoenix, because he's a professional, that's what he does. Mm-hmm. But the Wizards is his home, and DC is his home. Even though he's from St. Louis, like me, like you, this. But when you play for a city a long time, yeah. and you raised your family there, your kids there, mm-hmm. you know, your, your your beautiful wife and your beautiful kids, you, that's your home. Mm-hmm. That's your that's. That's your home. You let you know that's where you laid. You know you laid you laid it your foundation down, yeah. and so he he just gets to come home. He's playing at home, and and he feels like it's part of, like he put a brick. He put one of the bricks or, or two bricks in that in that foundation mm-hmm. of the Wizards during that that entire time. Is the first one, like we just said, the first time back is definitely weird. Are they always weird? Or is it just like the first one is definitely the the diff, like most different, like, whoa, this feels weird on the other, in the other locker room kind of feeling? The first one is the weirdest. Okay. First, it's the weirdest. And you sit there and you're warming up and just looking around. You, you, you It's surreal. Yeah. You know, you're looking around. And what's more real weird is when... You come back and most of your teammates that you left are still there on that or on this mm-hmm. team. So it's mm-hmm. weird now looking at your same teammates. Those are my guys. Yeah. With this entire time, and you're the you're the guy that's gone. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you want to go, you go, do all the yeah, 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 you know, all that. Yeah. But it's a part of you want to go down and shoot a shoot with them. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that. That's actually interesting, and I hadn't thought about it. There's there's a decent amount of turnover, even from from when uh, Brad was here. But there's still guys, right? Like you know the Denny's and the Kuzmas and the Gaffords and the Kisperts. Like he'll he'll have dudes. So um, right. I think they'll receive him well, also, and and that'll be cool. I had in my rundown here, and it's just an idiotic question for me to put on here. I was going to say, does he get a tribute video? 
of course he gets a tribute video. We gave Howell Neto a tribute video. So of course Bradley Beal is gonna get he something. better get a tribute video. Yeah. Um it's probably more like you know, but better question to ask if he gets a statue out front while we're here too. Uh but I guess if you're tied, I don't know how this worked for you, but like the first time you came back, um, probably emotional sitting in, you know, the um, you know, sitting there waiting for the game to kick off and they're doing intros and stuff. If if you're Brad, would you rather them get like the video out of the way up front, in the middle, at the end? Like, I, I guess, what's the best time to do this so that it doesn't just like totally take you out of things? Get out of the way. Get everything okay. out of the way so I can yeah. play ball. Got it. Tribute okay. video, you know. Yeah, get all the the, the standing ovation, the booze, the, the tears, all that. Yeah. Get, get it out the way so when the ball goes up, I can focus on the game. Right. And, and what's weird is, I think what's, what was the most weird was having to be in the visitor locker room. Is it drastically right? shittier at Capital One Arena? I've never actually walked yeah, in the visitor locker room. Visitor locker room is not the same. Yeah. You know, so that's that's another shitty part. And then the more you play, the more you come back and play against the Wizards, mm. things change, right? The players change. You know, you get less players that you used to play with. Now it just slowly just becomes, you know, another team you're playing against. Gotcha. They asked me all about that piece, about the um, sort of reception beforehand. And he said, I'm, I'm going to try and find, find ways to balance it and not get too rattled, especially if they're doing it before the game. I want to try to stay locked in as much as possible. I'm sure it'll be a special moment. I'll embrace it all and be ready to go. So I think that's exactly what you said. Uh, for Brad, he's been struggling a little bit here. Uh, he had his nose broken uh, at the end of January, so like a week and some change ago. Uh, apparently got smacked in the face pretty hard the other night too. Um, but since suffering that injury, he's gone three of 27 from three. So for him, this is probably a perfect like time for a get-right game against the Wizards. And if you're Phoenix, like you can't afford to lose this game to Washington. They're currently 28 and 21. They're sixth in the Western Conference. Uh, they're six games back of first place, which sounds pretty good. But they're also like one and a half games ahead of like ninth place. So uh, a loss here would, would definitely set them back pretty far. Um, so I guess any predictions for the game today and, and how you think it'll play out? I think it'll be a good game. Okay. A good game for, especially a good game for all the guys who played together. Mm-hmm. Right, the guys who played against that played with Brad, they're going to up their level of play just naturally, mm-hmm. right? Because it's it's going to be more personal. Yeah, the guys who play with Brad now, Booker and KD, yeah, they're going to um, defer to Brad a little bit more tonight, mm-hmm. right? So they want to really get him into the game, get him going. So he's going to probably take early shots tonight. Mm-hmm. early in the beginning of the game. They want to get him involved, get him, get him on, make some misses, go ahead and get him out the way. So now we can get you in rhythm for the game. So it's going to be a really good game tonight, either way. I hope so. I think that's kind of even better for him coming back. If it's like, you know, he, he performs well in a game where people are actually competitive. If it's over at halftime, that's kind of a bummer. And to your point, uh, both Duran and Booker kind of said, like, yeah, we want this one for Brad. Like, we you know, right. we want to get him going. So I think um, that should help. I think the only thing that maybe just kind of holds this back from being a good game is just the injury report. And I probably should have led with this. But uh, so tomorrow or tomorrow, uh, today, Koulibaly and Tyus Jones are both questionable. So Koulibaly has a lower back contusion. Tyus Jones sprained an ankle. 
Kuzma is out with a mysterious sore left shoulder injury. Marvin Bagley out with a lower back contusion and Isaiah livers is still out with a hip injury. So they're going to be light on bodies. They recalled Patrick Baldwin and Johnny Davis from the go-go. I would expect both of them to play a little bit in this game, honestly. So I don't know, just, just the idea of like Jordan Poole having to guard either Booker or Beal, uh, even though he's been a little uh, better from the effort perspective, uh, th- that could be tough, especially if you don't have um, any of these other guys to kind of mix in here and, and pick up some of the slack too. Well, see that that can that can be good, but that can also be worse for for either team. Okay. Reason being is when you have to play against those young guys who haven't haven't got a lot of time. We've got a lot of big names out. That's true. Yeah, they're those ready guys to go, right? be, Those guys can be in, inexperienced in cer- certain ways. Mm. They know the game. Yep. And they always have something to prove. Mm-hmm. Right? So you Makes end sense. up playing a 10 times tougher game than you thought you would have. Right? Mm-hmm. If they play together. But, you know, and if they go get it. um, And before you know it, somebody's end up with 20 points and you know, right. Kispert might have 30 today. You don't know who to scout, you know, so now that it changes the entire scouting report up as far as, you know, we don't really know what this guy does. We don't know who, you know, coach it's, you know, with the coaches. So on the, on the, on the Phoenix, on Phoenix, right. Mm -hmm. It it messes their scout report up. Patrick Baldwin who? Yeah. Right. So you can end up, Thinking there may be a blowout, you could think of like, oh, you know, we could be in a situation where, where the Lakers, you know, when AD yeah. and and LeBron sat down, they'll blow you out. Exactly. And you can really find yourself in that situation. So it'd be good. It could be this could be a good game for the Wizards, a really good game for the Wizards, you know, surprisingly, or it can end up being a just a you know a bad game for the Wizards because it's a whole lot of new players that haven't played a lot that's out of sync. It can go either way. That's a great point. And I think that'll say a lot about Brian Keefe, too. If he has these guys kind of come out ready to go and, and take on the challenge, especially if they're the younger dudes. Well, you don't have to motivate these guys. Right. They're just motivated because they don't play, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's, and that's the thing. Like, you got everybody's got an engine revving that haven't played. Yeah, sure. The engine's going to be revving. So you got to understand that. Um, so now you're playing against, and they're all basketball players. So mm-hmm. And they're all good because they're in the NBA. So it's just like, hey, are they going to play together or it's going to be just a wild fest? Mm-hmm. Let's see how, how it turns out. I think this seems like a very good time for like a big Jordan Poole game. I just I like guys are out. It's a bright stage against these other big time guards. If he went for 30 tonight, it wouldn't really shock me. I don't know how efficient it'll be, but uh, I don't know. And Kispert's been playing really well. I too, think if so. Jordan Poole goes for 30 and he looks to go for 30. Yeah, bad, bro. bad game for you. <laughs> because we got to involve the new guy, the guys yeah, who sure. haven't played. Yeah. And if the, if they feel like they're not involved, it's going to be a Jordan. If it's a, I never seen a Jordan Poole show that turns out well. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, right? not not in his time in Washington, in the very least. No, nah, I just don't. Nah. Yeah, uh, Kispert was really good the other night. I'd expect him to kind of keep the good play going here too. Looks confident. Looks like he's ready to go at people, and um, I think that would be nice to see another one of those him for him it's a consistency like right like this is what we talked about with denny last year like he'd have a good game he'd have two kind of mega games he'd have a really good game or two in a row then a mega game like just want to see steady and he's been a lot more steady this year i think for kispert 
you know, you'll you'll see pockets of this for a while and then a couple like six point games in a row. And you're like, where, where's that guy? So I, I think if he can back it up with another big time game, like that'd be cool. Yeah. I mean, Kispers has been in a funny situation all season to where he knows he knows the amount of t- time he's going to get every game. Mm. Right. And he knows. And what's what's changing is the pay, the the people who play his teammates keep changing. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. So it's hard to get in a rhythm when you don't you're not always consistently playing with the same players. Right. Because mm. so, so starting five. No. Yeah, who's starting five is going to be. They getting in the rhythm. They know where one is going to be. How one plays out. When you don't ever get that solid rhythm on the floor, understanding your teammates, because mm-hmm. it's always a different teammate. It's hard for you to then just say, "Well, let me just do my thing." Well, it doesn't work that way. Right. So, so he's kind of been in a tough position all season. You know, Koulibaly. At least he knows, okay, I'm going in for a particular player and I'm going to start off with the first unit. Yeah. Right. And there was slowly new players come in. And I, so I know this is how it goes. Mm-hmm. Which, so Kispert just has to be able to start determining a rhythm for himself. And like, let me try to, if he can get a rhythm and something that's, that's consistent, mm-hmm. you know, with the play, with his teammates, he'd be fine. I think especially with the way Kispert plays, right? Like he kind of needs other guys to set him up a little bit more and, yep. and historically has been more of a catch and shoot guy. So it's just, if people aren't getting into you in your shooting pocket or, you know, the right side of the floor or where, you know, where you like to catch it and, and maybe like one step to the right first, like that, that kind of stuff I, I think is really big for some. Yeah. When you don't, when you, when you're not a player that creates your own, you got to depend on other players. It's tough. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, Will said in the chat, uh, Kispert's been playing with DeLon on the second unit too. Love DeLon, but he hasn't been an effective distributor with that unit. I, I agree. Like, I, I have a lot of DeLon right stock, but he's been more shot hunting this year than than we've kind of seen from him in his time in Washington so far. So, I, I don't know. Maybe he starts the night if Tyus is out, and, and maybe that's actually better for him. I think that's actually probably a better fit, and you could have Tyus, um, you know, if he, if he did play limited minutes, uh, I don't know, that. We'll see what that looks like. But, so, I mean, it's, it, within a team, is always that underlining competition with within the players in the same position. Mm-hmm. So now Tyus is becoming more of a shooter. Yeah. So now the line has to show he can do it too. Long, like I, I got to be able to compete to sustain. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what happens is now he's putting the ball up more. Yeah. Now, th- what 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 you expect from the line, you're not getting, and it's throwing the rest of the teammates off out of rhythm. Totally agree. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, just move the ball, play defense, hit open catch and shoot jumpers if you get a look at them. The end. It's, it sounds good. It sounds good. The it's not big, as fun though, right? Yeah. Yeah. The big thing for players, the big fight for players is do I do what's best for the team or do I do what's best for me? Sure. Now, sometimes that helps both situations out. Sometimes those situations are on two complete different spectrums where if I do one, I'm going to let the, uh, I'm going to, one is going to, you know, not be good for me. If I do the other, it may not be good for the team, right? Those now conflict of contractually or wins. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I, I, you made this point a couple of weeks ago, and, and in my mind, it was always like, well, if I'm a team thinking about trading for a DeLon Wright, I would want to see him facilitate more and defend more and things like that. But if these guys are not watching Washington exclusively and they see, oh, DeLon Wright, 2.2 points per game, I'm not going to trade for that guy. But if he's averaging eight, you don't have any goat negotiation leverage. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta you gotta help yourself enough, and you have to have some numbers to do that. Whether you're playing your role perfectly or not, um, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, all right, so let's circle back to this Kuzma thing. Heard nothing about the shoulder, and now all of a sudden he's out for this game, and it just so happens during all this reporting that Kuzma is like the hot guy on the trade deadline right now. We see Zach Levine is out for four to six weeks. Like there aren't a ton of big names left that some team could go out and get. Uh, we've seen some reporting about the Mavericks. I'll get into a couple of the, you know, specific options here that have that have come up. But do you buy that? Like, I, I think the timing is interesting here that he's got a non-shooting shoulder injury all of a sudden um, four days before the deadline. You think there's any smoke or any fire to the smoke or, or or do you think it's probably just a legit thing? I think it's a five alarm blazing. <laughs> Inferno. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. These kids, I mean, these players know what they're doing. They right. they not they smart. They talk to their agents. You know, their agent man sit out. Right. Right. Doesn't that so, come from the team sometimes too? Like if we know we're about to trade you, like, hey, just no. No. The team, the team always wants you on. The team don't tell you anything, right? No. Kuzma is just, Kuzma is reading every Every article written about him trading, he knows he's very online. Yeah, he's talking to his agent. Yeah, his agent saying they they they're looking to trade you heavily. They're really, you know, putting your name out there, seeing what they're getting. They're changing. They they went from two first rounds to now they don't, you know, the value they they asking now for less value than they were, which now saying damn they with his mind saying oh they really want to push me out gone Yeah, yeah right so. Let me first of all save my body. Mm-hmm. Second of all, All Star break is coming up too. Right, All Star weekend is coming up soon. Where I can probably possibly still save my body some more, but um, it's what is he just like? Look, let me let me save my body. They, why am I going to put some some something on the floor? I mean, they professional, cool yeah. professional, sure, you know, but. Yeah, no, this is a this is a five alarm blazing inferno forest fire. Like this, you know, this is some like this is he knows what he's doing. Yeah. No, I think you're right. Uh you mentioned it there too, and I think it's a big one. Uh the reporting from the athletic is that the Wizards are no longer demanding two first round picks and the asking price may be lower. League sources maintain Washington is holding out for two first round picks, though team sources indicate that is somewhat overblown. The truth is probably somewhere in the middle. So maybe that's a young player, you know, a former recent first round pick and a first round pick and some salary or, or something like that. Uh, and then one of the other sort of reported deals specifically, um, the Mavericks have been kind of thrown out there a lot. They have a number of young players that could appeal to the Wizards from last year's number 24 overall pick, Olivier Maxence Prosper, to third year guard Jaden Hardy, to the recently extended Josh Green. And then uh, Kevin Gray Jr., a Mavs insider, said uh, a Mavs source he talked to today believes that they have the leadership and hierarchy in Dallas to absorb Kuzma as a player and personality. As it was put to me, seems to be a big um, Kuzma seems to be a big fan of Jason Kidd, who was a Lakers assistant when Kuzma won the NBA title in L.A. 
Uh, so that's an interesting one. Mark Stein had some reporting on this very same thing. So uh, that's the name that's come up the most recently here. Um, but it actually kind of makes sense for Washington. Like they have a first to give you. They've got some toolsy young guys with some upside. So if you're going to make a move, like this one, I don't hate, I guess, at least on paper. Um, but I also Dallas. wouldn't, I wouldn't be in a hurry to do it. Come on, Dallas? Yeah, Dallas. Yeah, yeah, they got some good guys. What they have? Uh, yeah, Josh Green, what? Jaden Hardy. Yeah, right. Omax, the young Omax, who, who doesn't really play too much yet. Yeah, Omax. I mean, they got they have some good guys, and you have to understand what the what the Wizards are trying to do. Yep. If I'm a player, I'm like, you know what? They're trying to blow this thing completely up. They're not trying to do a small, a little bit, one, two players. They're trying to just. Just yeah. let's, let's, throw, let's just throw a bomb in here. Yep. Let's throw a bomb in the locker room and bow. Let's get everybody out. Mm. Now, let's bake this cake from scratch. Yeah, with our ingredients. Yeah. And so, yeah, with our own ingredients, right? Our ways, however we do it. So knowing that as well, players gonna players understand that. Mm-hmm. You know what? In the end of the day, I'm out of here. Some way, somehow, may take longer than 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 they want, but I'm out. Mm-hmm. So yeah. let, let now let me make sure that my stats are all right. Yeah. I got those looking pretty good now. Sure. You know, let me let me chill out. So going back to that that point, and but also the previous combo there. Kuzma's counting stats are up. The points per game in the last, like under Brian Keefe are up. Things like that are up. The efficiency is way down. Uh, The shooting has been basically bad all calendar year. The defense has been less, you know, impressive, I guess, or less existent is probably a better way to put that. Uh, If I'm another team, I would be like, I don't know that I want Kuz the gunner necessarily, but do they care? I guess that like we think we could bring you in here to a real team that's trying to win something and know he'll be a professional enough to fit in. Certain teams are going to act like they care. Okay. Other teams know what the hell they're getting. Yeah. Yeah. Like just, yeah, it's part of negotiation. We're all going to try to throw out every bad thing you've done. Mm -hmm. In the end of the day, I'm still Kyle Kuzma. I'm on That's a great my contract. leverage. Yeah, that's my leverage. I'm Kyle Kuzma, <laughs> and I'm good. You know what I'm saying? I'm mm-hmm. still one of the top twenty players in the league. You know what I'm saying? You want this? That Dallas definitely wants it. Mm-hmm. It makes so much sense for Dallas. It's crazy. Yeah, I think it's a really good fit, honestly. Right. So, uh, with that understanding, you know, let's talk turkey. <laughs> what, yeah. What does it take to get this done? Yeah, because in the end of the day, I know what you want, and I know what I bring mm-hmm. to your system, which you desperately need. Yeah, and then you get a big, you need, and you get a big three. Yeah, right. It's good for marketing. Um, nah, come on, it's the best marketing. Yeah, I'm knowing I'm bringing to the table. I'm mm-hmm. putting asses in the stands. Exactly. Yeah, and and hey, and Jason, kid, kid knows and, and more and more buckets in the when when you got Kyrie sitting out. And Luca doesn't have to score 75. Yeah. I'm making I'm making that up. Yeah. But yeah, as a coach, you know, hey, I I can integrate this guy on the fly because I know what he's about. I know he watches a lot of film. I know he's a good mm-hmm. leader. He's good in the locker room, like all that kind of stuff, too. Right. 
Uh, the other big name that's kind of routinely coming up here is Tyus Jones. Uh, so this stat came from um, Wizards broadcast director Rich Wolf, and I stole it from Chase Hughes, who tweeted that out. Actually, no, I think Bijan Todd tweeted out at Monumental. But Tyus Jones has 93 assists and just eight turnovers in his last 10 games. He's the first player in the last 22 years to have 90 plus assists and less than 10 turnovers in 10 games. And just the fourth player since 1984 to do that. Uh, so he's been great at valuing the ball, been really efficient. And that's why his name keeps coming up. And the Wizards are reportedly holding out for a first round pick. Uh, that's been, you know, the the kind of routine reporting for a month now is just get, get us a first and then we'll talk. Um, now it seems like that's starting to soften. A little bit here, uh, Jake Fisher at Yahoo said that rival executives believe the Wizards will be tra- willing to trade Tyus Jones for multiple second round picks. Washington's original asking price was a first. And then a um, uh, couple other outlets have said that the the Timberwolves are a name to pay attention to. Um, and they reportedly offered four second round picks for Tyus Jones. But Washington uh, kind of held firm and, and chose not to. Um, pull the trigger on on the four second round picks. So I guess, I don't know. I, I don't know where that leaves me. Like it's either, you're probably not going to do better than four second round picks if you're not going to get a first round pick. So if you're not willing to make the deal for four, I'm not really sure what else they'd be holding out for at this point. I'm not getting four second round picks. <laughs> okay. First of all. Yeah. Secondly, I'm not getting, giving Tyus Jones up just for anything. Mm-hmm. Tyus Jones has been valuable to this team. Yeah, I agree. Right? I think Wizards, if they're, they're smart, they need to understand the value that Tyus. He's one of the guys that we can't give him up. We, we're fine with keeping him. And just try to, re, try to re-sign him in the offseason? Yeah, because yeah. he, he's, he's really shown a lot this year. Very unexpected, but he's given a lot to this team. He's the guy that you you can bank on still being sound yeah. in the future. So he wasn't he wouldn't be an easy give up for me, me personally, mm-hmm. as as a team. So I have to get something comparable or better in value, right? Or something that I know I can grow with, if, even if it's two guys in the future. Yeah, because you're. You don't get that turn that that non turnover ratio. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't get that in the NBA easily, yeah. right? You don't get that consist that shot that field goal percentage from a from a point guard from you a little guard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So man, you tripping? You tripping? Trying to give him up for anything? He's one of those guys saying, oh, "We wish we could straddle this fence." He he, he good staying. And if we can get some quality, we hate to give him up, but we'll be okay. But if not, we're just not going to give a player up like Tyus Jones, especially the way he's been contributing this season to our team. Yep. No, I I agree. I I wouldn't be in a rush to like if they trade if they don't trade him and then he leaves, like they'll get crushed. But also, you know, you have to have that conversation with him and his agent. Like, is this something you're amenable to? Because you can offer him something that almost no one else in the league can offer him. One, probably more money. And two, a chance to keep starting. There are very few teams in the league where he's a starting point guard. And if you can say, hey, you've at least got a shot to come back here next year and compete for that spot again, that might be enough just to keep him around. But Um, wouldn't he have earned it? 
Uh, I mean, you know, it depends on who else they can they can bring in here. Um, Name me somebody else who wouldn't have who they gonna bring in. That's a question. I, I, I it seems whatever other off season moves they could do. I would think he, as the incumbent who's played pretty well, he's he's got the leg up. I'm just saying you don't want to give a guy like I guarantee you you'll start here next year. But um, hey, I, I think he's got a pretty good shot of being the guy if he's back and if he goes to Minnesota or Milwaukee or whoever else, he, he's not getting that. So right. Um, that's, that's, it gives you a leg up in negotiations, I think, but it also, there's some risk inherent in doing that too. But, uh, Wizards fans, I think I've seen a lot of, well, if Minnesota throws in Leonard Miller, their first round pick from the G League Unite, who's been destroying the G League, uh, we'll get the deal done. I would do that too, but the Timberwolves are not going to do that. They're not trading their probably most exciting, like young, young talent that's not already established. Because they've got a lot of bigs that make a lot of money and they're going to be cap constrained. They're going to need guys on cheap contracts to contribute for them and fill out the roster. So I can't see Minnesota wanting to throw in a player like that just to rent Tyus Jones, potentially. It just doesn't seem realistic from their perspective. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, that that deal I would do. but Right. I mean, uh, from another team, it's so much, only so much leverage. And, and yeah. there's some good other, some good point guards on other teams. Mm-hmm. Thing is, for the Wizards, how realistic is it that you're going to get a better point guard? Yeah, it's not. It'd be a lot of Delon Wright down the stretch, I think. Here, yeah. uh, you know, the the last thirty games probably. Uh, yeah that that'll be that that'll be the biggest one, I think. Like the Kuzma one, I feel pretty confident they're going to get good value for. It's if you trade Tyus, what? What do you get for him? And, and I, right. I think the conventional thinking has been that they have to trade him, but I'm, I'm kind of with you. I wouldn't do it for nothing. Now, if you get a good fair deal, like I wish him well and best case scenario, you know, like best of luck to everybody involved here. But um, yeah, I, Brian Windhorst did the whole there's going to be a fire sale in Washington thing. I, I have maintained I don't think that's the case. I know you said that they're going to try to do that, but I also think this front office is smart enough to not just feel pressured into doing that if they're not going to get stuff back for it. Well, they kind of they kind of did it to themselves a little bit because they're like this roster. Everybody knows they try to go and blow up to try to blow this whole thing up. Right. So now me knowing that as another GM on another team, yeah. I'm like, well, let me, you know, let me let it's, let me go and negotiate like I'm at a garage sale trying to buy exactly I'm gonna like a radio here. you know what i'm saying yeah right but you're telling but you're telling other gms hey we we have uh, like concert speakers but we're selling them as transistor radios right like that's the problem yeah. right you gotta you gotta let no this is what we have and we're selling it as what it is mm-hmm. i think if you just don't answer calls on one of those guys or you let it go at the deadline, it maybe resets that, okay, these guys are, you know, they're not going to act desperately like that. Maybe that kind of gives you a little leverage back in future negotiations. Yeah. Uh, All right. So we'll we'll see what that looks like. There's been some other reports that are floating around out there. Apparently the Wizards were interested in Quentin Grimes of the New York Knicks. Grimes has drawn some interest from several teams ahead of the deadline. The Wizards are believed to be looking at young talent and draft picks. ESPN recently reported that Washington's front office has a mandate from ownership to add more draft capital via recent tra- you know, via these upcoming trades. So that'll be interesting. If you're in New York, you probably want Gafford back. So 
Uh, is it Quentin Grimes and a pick of some sort for Daniel Gafford? Um, I wouldn't be in a rush to trade Gafford either, personally. Uh, I liked Grimes coming out of the draft, but haven't seen enough there that I think that there's really a ton of upside left that that you couldn't just get from Gafford having upside. I don't know. You can't give up Gafford unless you get something. You got to first of all, I got to have a big. Yeah, it's it'd be tough. Tough back. rest of the year I, I with this. I wouldn't bank on Bagley. Yeah, exactly. Right, uh, Grimes. Oh, he's going. He's a great three-point shooter. He's going to spread the floor for you. Mm-hmm. He's a solid. That's one thing. He's going to spot up, right? Yeah. Right. Amazing three-point shooter. But outside of that, you know, yeah. who's going? Who, where are you going now? Get your rim protection from. Yeah, it'd be ugly the rest of the year. I think for sure. Yeah. I don't know if that's a great. I don't. I don't think that's a good move. I, I've heard a lot of if you can get something for Gafford, get something for Gafford. But I also think. And this, to your point, right? Like it's, you need a center to make everybody else fit into the roles you want to see from them too. And if now they're playing with nobody behind them, uh, it, it makes everybody else look worse the rest of the year. And I well, not only that, it's tough to find a center. That's the most rare position out there. It's not, those are, it's a million point guards, a million shooting guards, a million threes. The market for centers and a decent center at that, yeah, not even competent, a good yeah. center, a decent center, it's <laughs> right. tough. Yeah, it's true. Right? It's like shopping for fruit and uh, everything is bad, you know? Mm-hmm. And you like, and so while you have a pretty decent center, mm-hmm. not a great center, but a decent yeah. above the, mm-hmm. now, now he's playing above the threshold. Yeah. Right? You probably need to work work with them and work alone, you know, build some things with them, you know. But I wouldn't give them I can't, you know, I don't I don't understand if you can get something for Gaffer, get it. I don't get that one because the market for signatures is is scarce. The market for centers is, is scarce. If somebody blows you away with an offer that you can't refuse, then you can't refuse. But uh, again, he's another guy who would not be in a hurry to try to move just to move him. And this this mandate notion from ownership just to get picks makes me a little nervous because you still have to have a competent enough yeah. team to build habits and, and things like that moving forward uh, what are you going to do in the meantime play, having a team playing with no center yeah it'd be tough it'd be tough like how are you going to look like how does it look it'd be i mean you could thing. say all right we're playing with bagley it, it's cool but not just bagley it can't be him alone nah, man don't work especially while he's beat up i mean that's yeah. that's a tough ask and It'd be different if you had like a good young big sitting on the G League team that you're just waiting to give minutes to or something, but but they don't have that. Um, if anything, I'd be going to, out and trying to find a big, not give the ones I have away. Right now, Bagley is not a better center than Gafford. Yeah, they're both about the same, just kind of different. I think you know, I like think Gafford a little off a little bit more. Okay, I think Bagley a lot of his. Um, a lot of what what he's been doing and and what his production mm. has been off energy. Yeah, effort and hustle and like effort, second, hustle. second second not, counter, second second rotation bigs. Yeah, not he's skilled. I'm not taking a note like no just the fact that he's not skilled away from him. A lot I of hustle putbacks and stuff. There's a lot of hustle. I don't think he's nearly naturally athletic as Gafford. No, Gafford Gafford could put you through the rim. I mean, like he's right. He's not so so I would rather. Add what what have what's happening now is adding effort to a naturally athletic player mm-hmm. 
right? Effort and and pressure to a naturally at naturally athletic player than trying to make a, a less athletic player mm-hmm. my main guy. If if Gafford's, like, if the feeling is he's a a lower-tier starting center in the NBA, or fringe starting center. Yeah, back well, up. No, yeah, not, not Gafford, I'm sorry. Yeah, Bagley. But, like, uh, but, but Gafford is, that's sort of the conventional thinking, is he's a, a lower-end starting center. But at least okay, if my starter's not going to be great, I'd rather have like a really good platoon of two guys that are close to the same level. And then there's not much drop-off. And now that guy can feast against second units. Like, this is the best rotation of bigs that they've had in a while here. Neither of them are world beaters, but having two good solid dudes, yes, do more of this. Come on. Yeah. Like, it gives you hope. We pretty much got something that we can work with in that five position. Yeah, that we can move if we can build around this and put some 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 monsters or some some firepower around all this and some defensive some some defensive concepts. Mm -hmm. But we've kind of got something that may work right there in in one position. Yeah, that's I don't know. It's it's nothing else out there that with a combo. It's tough. I mean, it's like I said, the center position is scares of not that many players. Yep. And not that many in, impactful players that can that can be that impactful. You now went from the bottom to fifteenth in offensive rebounding mm-hmm. off of one trade. I know. Yeah. That's big for them. Come on, bro. You some things you gotta recognize. Yeah. Just now let's find the perimeter version of that. That's what I'd be trying to go out to get, but I wouldn't be giving up the bigs I just got to do that either. Like, in, unless I knew this is a guy, like I was dead set on this dude is going to blow up or, you know, whatever the case may be, but I'm with you. Um, speaking of one guy that's hopefully uh, about to blow up, got a couple Bilal Koulibaly related things here for you. Uh, Koulibaly was asked about getting to run point more under Brian Keefe and getting to kind of facilitate offense. And he's been bringing the ball up a little bit more. I don't, think he's doing like a whole lot of actual playmaking, but they're letting him dribble the ball across half court. And uh, I did that against Antonio, did it a couple times against uh, the Clippers. And he said, that's what I'm working on. My handle, being able to get to the rim, put pressure on the rim so I can pass the ball out. That's what we're trying to do. I mean, I think it's helping so far or helping us so far. And, you know, he tries to do that. Like we've talked about the whole time. He tries to make the right reads. He's not like going to do anything like overly fancy or whatever, but um, just being solid, uh, you know, I, I think that's that's good enough for him and, and letting him have some on-ball reps that way. It's a good way to let him touch the ball at the very least and get a feel, and I, I'm all for them doing more of this. I think they're trying to figure out ways to get him more yeah. um, engaged offensively, mm-hmm. giving more of a contribution to the team offensively, right? Like bringing the same, because they know he can, because he yeah. has. And that kind of dialed down a lot. Right. Right. But he's still so impactful, especially on the defensive end. Yeah, I agree. Right. It, so you see that. So like how so now they're probably considering how can we get him engaged more offensively? Well, his natural position is this. Mm-hmm. Right. What he'd been doing naturally when he was playing over, you know, in Paris yeah. in France was was a point guard. Right. So if if maybe if we can kind of get him in his position where he feels natural and yeah. he can have more opportunities and to, to, to 
to score more. Mm-hmm. In the end of the day, unless he's getting downhill or unless he's seen opportunities to do that, it's just like you said, it's just him walking the ball past half court, which actually um, is less helpful for him. You just have, he just have to be more aggressively, offensively, just anyway, right? It's going to be more athletic than most of the people guarding him. Like, just t- try to take, try to use your first step and your length to get by. Dude, you got you got to take, you got to take that first step, that that whatever foot the highest. Yeah, attack the to attack that foot, attack mm-hmm. that leg, and keep going, and get down. Right? Maybe you may may not have the shot when you get down there, but you better make sure you can get to the line. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's what it's about. Um, it's not going. It's not always about having the ball in your hand, but I, I get why they're doing it because like you said, they're not he's not getting many touches. No. Yeah, you gotta, so, gotta try something. So if you got the ball in your hand actually you say, well, now I can consider myself the first option. Yeah. So I get it. Uh I've seen a couple like, oh, he wasn't very efficient in this game or whatever. I do not give one shit about Bilal's efficiency in any of these games right now. It just I, I don't tough. care. It's more about the process and what he does. This Clippers game, he had 19 points, four rebounds, two assists, one steal, two blocks. And my favorite stat of that entire night is he took 16 shots. He made eight of them. Cool. But 16 shots is awesome. I want to see that every yeah, night. Me, yeah. The whole right. rest of the year. <laughs> right. Because eventually, those, eventually he's going to start making more. Yeah. Right. You need him to be aggressive. Mm-hmm. Right. So great. Now he's taking those shots we need him to take. Yeah. Now he's so now he's going to figure out okay which ones are better shots right I'm going to the process oh I took 15 which out of those 15 was a good like better shot for me to take yep. okay how did I mess up on some of them I missed which ones were bad shots mm-hmm. all right now I'm going through the process to but you got to go through all of that to yeah. get to where you need to be but right but you're not going to change your aggressiveness mm-hmm. and we need that from him because he's a hell of a defender. I mean, he's ripping James Harden. Uh, he's it's true. Man, I mean, he was yeah, he was in passing lanes and stuff. I mean, he's doing a great job. And and if and and when people talk about that, like, oh, you take taking too many shots. Yeah, cool. You don't understand basketball mm-hmm. because you don't see what basketball I see mm-hmm. with this kid. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you have reasonable shots. Yeah. I mean, uh, take as many as you can get, right. or even if some of them aren't great, I'd still rather them take them than not. Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned him like stripping James Harden on the one. That was cool. I, I think the most noticeable thing when you play Kawhi Leonard and, and even Harden to the, some extent, like they're strong as shit. And, and this is Bilal trying to compete with those guys with just length and effort. Imagine when he gets strong enough to hold ground on dudes like that. I don't know how anyone's going to score on him. Like, well, you know what I mean? But like, he got that wiry frame. Yeah. Other normal people. I I mean, like if if he can just do this enough to pester them as, as a scrawny player, imagine him defending normal human beings, you know, um, non Kawhi's where they're, where like generationally tough to, to move off their spots. Like that's, that's going to be um, a nightmare for people. Like, you're going to go, ah, oh, shit, cool volley's guarding me tonight. Like, the Wizards have had not had one of those guys in a very long time. And um, that that's what I see when I watch him. Like, we were 
pretty close for that one. A couple rows behind the bench and um, or a couple rows behind um, courtside. And a couple times like Harden was like tugging on people. And like there, there's all these little tricks like all the veteran guys have. And Kawhi was actually holding Kyle Kuzma's wrist at certain points. Like mm-hmm. this is cool. Bali doing things without any of the little tricks and stuff here too. Right. like he's going to get smarter. He's going to get stronger. He's just like naturally kind of a menace right now. And and even if guys beat him, he's still someone you have to account for. Like you're looking around, like if I throw this pass, can this dude pick this off? Like he's, I think he's in people's heads a little bit already. I, if I'm, if I'm Bilal, I'm calling some vets. Mm. Yeah, I'm calling like the, the pesty, the pesty vets. Yeah. The Patrick Beverly. <laughs> right. What's yeah, what the, can what's, I learn? What's all the tricks? Yeah. Right, I need to know all the tricks. I'm watching Kobe's defense, all the tricks, right? Yeah, and and going from there because, and if I'm the Wizards, I'm making him, I'm forcing him to be more vocal mm. defensively, right? Because when you have a person who can rasp and play defense like that, mm-hmm. he can, he can ignite the entire team defensively. If he's yeah. more vocal and he's he demands, even though I don't care how young he is, if he demands them to play with more the same enthusiasm defensively. Yeah, I like that. Uh he's getting some recognition for it, which is cool to see. Uh just per Wizards Muse on Twitter, cool Bali's rookie ranks. He's seventh in points, sixth in rebounds, ninth in assists, fifth in steals, fifth in blocks, ninth in threes, uh made, which is which is awesome. And because of that, he's been named to the uh, rookie Rising Stars team for All-Star Weekend. So, I don't know, when was the last time the Wizards had one of those, too? Like, it's just, uh, it's not a thing we've done particularly well the last, I don't know, decade, realistically. So, um, that's also just cool to see. It's deserved. Congratulations. And it's, yeah. it's deserved. And I, and it's, he deserved it in a completely different way. Mm. Right? And it's great that they he's recognized for it. because. He he offers so much. He offers a lot of those intangible things, all those things that don't show up on a stat sheet, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes, a lot of times, that gets overlooked so much. Yeah. But with him, it's um, it's so enlightening mm-hmm. because he's like ah, it's some for some reason with him, you see it, it's right there in your face, right? Yep. A lot of that time is overlooked, right? Because it don't show up on the stat sheet. With him, you like, oh, it's it's a uh, it's a lot of potential in this kid, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's refreshing because he's doing things that you haven't seen in the NBA a NBA player do in a long time. Like they don't they don't treasure those type of things anymore, yep. right? So it, it's good that he's recognized, but it's also good what he's being recognized for. Yeah, playing the right way is is or trying to play the right way at least. Right way. Yeah, that's big. And I'm excited to see him go against his peers here and these other young guys and to see how he looks on a court with all of them because I think he's going to hold up pretty well. Yeah, he will. He definitely will. Uh, last question I got for you here. Sean asked uh, just how much winning in college comes into play when drafting for a player. If you were going to be one of these GMs on, on the Wizards here and you're looking at prospects for for next year's team, do you consider college um, success rate I or do. how much? Yeah. I do depend on the particular player, but yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, 
reason being is if it's one of the main players, mm-hmm. they're they're offering some sort of leadership. They have some they have some sort of um, passion to win. Mm-hmm. Winning means something to them. Sure, competing means something to them. Um, um, passing that on to their players and and making their players play, their, their teammates play, means something to them. Yeah, right. That like, coaches are coaches. Coaches are good. Coaches give you a system. Coaches in college yell at you and motivate you. Sure. But when at the end of the day, coach is not on the floor. They can't mm-hmm. put the ball in the basket. Who's now going to be the second coach? That's 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 that fire that's pushing their teammates on. That's yeah. that's diving for the fifty fifties. That's getting everybody engaged and holding everybody accountable. Sure. Right? Those type of things leading lead to a winning team. Mm-hmm. Right? You can't if you don't have that, and you just have coaches. You can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't have that type of player, sure. you don't have a good team. Yep. So those winning teams have at least one to two of those type of players. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking for that, that player because that's infectious. Yep. If I'm like torn between two guys, I'm going to take the one that's had more success and, and as like actually achieved some things. Like I think that's been one of the things that hurt like these G league Ignite guys. Like their team was shit last year. The team is sh- kind of shit this year. And we haven't seen those guys come in and be like particularly good from the jump. Honestly, most of the Ignite players have kind of underachieved relative to what we thought they would be. Like Jalen Green has underwhelmed. He's just kind of an empty stats guy. Um, like Kaminga, I, I think is is better and would be better. It would put up better numbers on another team. And I think he's trying to do more of the right things. But, you know, that he's still young and raw too. Like you, you've got, Scoot Henderson struggling out of the gate. And the guys this year, Ron Holland and Modest Buzelis, like, I don't know. They just had a lost year, basically. So um, if, if it were me and I was, like, on a reasonable level with these guys in terms of tier or prospect, I would take Jacoby Walter or somebody winning or Rob Dillingham or one of these guys that I've seen go out and get buckets and try to win games in front of loud crowds. Like, you know, the Ignite, you've played against crowds of 120 people all year and if you're playing at kentucky against tennessee last night dillingham's going for 35 points he might be undersized or whatever but the dude's putting up buckets in the hardest place to win in college basketball or one of the couple hardest you know venues in college basketball and he's doing it with like 15,000 people screaming f you the whole time like that carries weight it should carry weight yeah absolutely so that's funny i had a, a conversation with uh I have a lot of friends who were college coaches mm-hmm. and we were talking about certain players that's that, you know, at their schools. Sure. And I was like, why would you take this player over that player? You know, I think this yeah. player has more intangibles. He can skills, skill, blah, blah, blah. They were like, yeah, but that player, this other player is a winner. Like, how do you determine a winner? He's a <laughs> one in high school, yeah, right. one in the EYBL, he <laughs> won on this team. Yeah. He said, when you see a player go to, a, a team and that team automatically becomes a winner. Yeah. They get better right away. Right. Yeah. Not, not, he said, it's that player. Yep. He said, man, he may not be better than this player. Who's like light, lighting it up, you know, scoring 20 a night, all this, but 
I'm going to bank on a winner before I bank on anything. And if the, everywhere that player goes, the team automatically becomes a winner. Mm-hmm. You say that kid, that kid is a winner. It's yeah. hard to find winners. Sure. And and like a Dillingham, for example, they lost last night. He's still a winning player because he was the guy going shot for shot against a really good Tennessee defense, keeping them in it. They didn't win the game. He's still a winner to me. Like that, I think. That's how I would look at some of these guys and, and their records obviously going to be good and things like that too. But um, I appreciate Sean for the question. Uh, Locked on law said in the chat, six, three guards are undersized. Now, if Rob Dillingham measures six foot three, I will run naked around capital one arena. So just, just take that for what you will. Um, he's standing next to a guy in Zakai Ziegler for Tennessee last night that they list at five foot nine. If they list you at five foot nine, you're five foot seven. Yeah. And, and Rob Dillingham was like, couple inches taller than him at most and you five foot seven with shoes yeah exactly uh, john did you ever see dillingham on the AU circuit at all is there any way this guy's six foot three he's not six foot three nowhere close he's like six foot right nowhere yeah. close yeah. yeah so um and he's also 130 pounds soaking wet yeah. uh and and he's a hooper i mean i'll give him credit i'm no, not trying to shit on him but um but he's yeah, I, yeah he's he's undersized i I'll, yeah. i promise you that one locked on long uh, all right, Jihad, I think that's all I got for you here. Anything uh, you want to end us with or anything? No, man, I definitely enjoyed you today. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, Wizards fans, you'll listen to this one before the game here. Let's just not boo. Let's not be those people. Let's be Let's be better. Let's be bigger. Um, we'll remember the good times. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, all right, that's uh, been Believing Wizards. You guys know the drill. Rate, review, subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, click that little like button for us. Click the subscribe button. We love all that stuff. We appreciate you. Uh, We're presented by betonline.ag, and we'll catch y'all next time. Peace. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube